When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight. Expertise. Top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. Well, if you missed it, there was a great opportunity to go to a real real get-together in Lexington, Kentucky, at the Kentucky Sports Bar and Grill to watch Will Levis not get drafted. (laughs) An opportunity to pretty good. How you doing? Okay, uh, better than Will Levis. Uh, let's get into that, and uh, we've got a lot to get to. It's a football Friday with Fred. Fred White will join us. That's always awesome as we look forward to that. And also, we'll take a look at Tennessee losing a transfer to Colorado. I told you Dion would come calling, and he has, and it's not the only school that he's going to poach. So Tennessee, in some sense, should feel privileged that they have a third-string defensive tackle that Colorado wants. So we're locked in. Loaded. Let's get Darnell right. I'm not going to pat myself on the back right now, Caleb, but I'm going to pat myself on the back right now. I told you, not you, but the, our listening audience in August that Darnell Wright was the best football player on that team. And I firmly believe that when it's all said and done, even if, if some balls continue to develop and our top 10 picks in the future, which I believe will happen, that at the end of the day, we'll look back at the 2022 team and we'll, we will say to ourselves that Darnell Wright was one of the best players on that team. I believe that firmly. Caleb, am I right or wrong? Absolutely. Totally agree with you. We saw it in real time. Anybody that was watching last year – and. It's funny because offensive line is one of the hardest positions to really evaluate when you're watching a college football game in real time because you're always looking downfield, so you have to go back and watch the tape. But it was weird that Alabama game, Darnell Wright was standing out on his own even though everybody was looking downfield watching Hinton Hooker throw throw to Jalen Hyatt. I remember watching that game. I'm sure you did too. And do you remember about like halfway through being like, I haven't heard Will Anderson's name yet. I don't know what's going on. And. And, 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 you know, it wasn't just from, 
it wasn't just from a Sachs perspective that we didn't hear hear his name. Uh, I thought that some of the assessment last night, Will Anderson was really poor um, in some of the broadcasts. I, I don't call out other media members, so I'm not going to do that, even if they're big national cats and serve it. But I, I will tell you this. Um, Will Anderson is great at tackles for a loss against the run. What makes him different from, let's say, Kimdiche uh, uh, or we could go on, Von Miller, that name came up last night during the broadcast, is he is equally as good against the run as he is against the pass. He is a generational type of talent because he's going to be stout against the run and he's going to get you about 10 or so sacks, probably not 20, in a year, but he's going to get you about 10 or so sacks a year. So in that way, he's a generational top player, but not appreciated unless you're kind of a football aficionado. Um, but Darnell Wright, man, against the run, against the pass, Caleb, it didn't matter. Absolutely manhandled him. And I think that helped Darnell Wright go number 10 last night in the draft. I think that game was as big as any single factor in Wright's evaluation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That game was the game that stood out above every other game. Darnell Wright. It's funny. It's the game that made Jalen Hyatt a Blitnikoff Award winner. It's the game that made Darnell Wright a first-round draft pick. And, and we, you're right. You had said it in August, and we had been talking all year about just how valuable Darnell Wright was on that right side of the line. And for anybody that questions that, Look at Hooker's sack totals. Two years ago, Hendon Hooker was one of the most sacked quarterbacks in college football when Darnell Wright was playing left tackle and Caden Mays was at right tackle. They moved Darnell Wright to right tackle and they rotate at left tackle and Hendon Hooker was so much more protected last year. Now, Dave, I don't know what you think. I don't know if some of that was Hendon Hooker just being much smarter and how he moved in the pocket. I'm sure that had a role to play in it, but I think the line was just better last year, even though Cade Mays wasn't there. And I think that had to do with Darnell Wright, that side of the line. No one was getting to Hooker on that side of the line at all. And, I mean, we're talking – you're right. We're talking generational talent. We have her questions about his work ethic. I know you've brought that up in the past. There's been stories that he didn't really turn it on until his senior year when he knew he was about to get drafted. But Reggie White didn't turn it on until his senior year when he knew he was about to get drafted. Great comparison. Yeah, and Great he became a Hall of Famer. I mean, if you watch Reggie White as a junior as opposed to a senior, it's like a totally different – Player. So it leads us to today's tough question, and it has to do with Darnell Wright, who went uh, number 10. First, before I get to that, what did you think of the fit, Caleb, just in general of where he went at number 10? I think he went to a he went to a team that's good for him and that they're going to be invested in him. I feel bad for him because I don't think Justin Fields is ever going to develop into a good quarterback. But I don't think I don't think the, the good thing for Darnell Wright is he's never going to be scapegoated for that. No one's ever going to scapegoat Darnell Wright for Justin Fields not developing. So if Chicago has to find a new quarterback in the future, Darnell Wright's still going to be fine. Yep, that's true. And he may one day sign a monster contract with another team. You know, he's on the three year clock, basically. You've got or do you have five years? I'm trying to do you have three or five years on your rookie? Isn't it, I thought it was four years and they can pick up the option in the fifth year. Right. So he he just has to work hard to get paid through that. Justin Fields may be a distant memory in 2028, to be honest with you. I mean, they could have Joe Milton as their quarterback by then. They could have Nico as their quarterback by then. And Darnell Wright's still going to handle the right side. And 
The thing about him, too, is if you're in any sort of pinch, you can play him on the left. I, I just – I love the pick. I told you he was going to go uh, high. I didn't think 10, but I wasn't going to be surprised in the 15 to 20 range. But a huge monster pickup, and it leads us to today's tough question, and that is now. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show. Uh, a present off the hooks. All right, here we go. Today's tough question. How much does this help the balls in recruiting? Caleb Calhoun. Scale of one to ten. How much does this help the balls in recruiting? This is a ten. I mean, a clear-cut 10. You can't underestimate how big of a deal this is. Not just because Tennessee had a top 10 pick. I think I think we talked about this yesterday. Tennessee's going to have multiple top 10 picks, top 20 picks under Josh Heupel in the future. An offensive lineman going in the top 10 fully validates what we have said for a long time, which is this is not a gimmicky offense that Josh Heupel runs. It's cutting edge. It's ahead of the curve. It's unique, but it's not a gimmick. And this is proof. A, the highest pick Josh Heupel has had in two years at Tennessee was an offensive lineman. This is the – by the way, I, I want to bring this up, guys. In his entire tenure as head coach, Philip Fulmer never had an offensive lineman go in the first round. Not one time. Not one offensive lineman under Fulmer was drafted in the first round. You sent me that stat, and I thought that was insane. I was like, is, is Caleb been partying this morning or something? And <laughs> – but it's the first since when you see so me. The, the, it's crazy. Crazy. It's the first since Jawan James of 2014. Those are the only two dating back to 1991. The 91 draft Anton Davis and Charles McRae went back to back. And then Tennessee didn't have another offensive lineman go in the first round for 23 years. And that was during Fulmer, a former offensive lineman, his entire tenure as head coach, never had a first round offensive lineman dra drafted in the first round. This is a huge deal. And it's huge because, look, Tennessee's going to get the receivers. They're going to get the quarterbacks. They're going to get the skill players, Dave. You and I know that, right? With Josh Heupel, you're going to get those all over the place. The question became, can they get the high-level offensive linemen to come to Tennessee? Well, Josh Heupel turned Darnell right into a top-10 draft pick, really in just one year. Let's be honest. It was really just this past year that made him a top-10 pick. He wasn't on anybody's radar the year before. And so... This is a huge deal, and it's going to be a massive boost for Tennessee football in the future. Yeah, I think it's absolutely monstrous. Today's tough question brought to you by Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. I'm not wearing glasses, contacts because of my LASIK procedure, and it was awesome, effortless, fantastic. Doctor checked on me the Sunday after a Friday surgery and man it just campbell cunningham taylor and han it's it's local they care about you and they've got everything that you could possibly imagine in terms of vision care and they can do cataract surgery as well and they can do your annual vision assessment at their individual clinic so check them out campbell cunningham Taylor and Han. So big show lined up football Friday with Fred as we'll talk football year round. We're not scared to do that. And uh, we change gears a little bit to Hooker not drafted. I'm going to again, I'm going to tell you what I hear from scouts and, and NFL types. Hidden Hooker was never going to go in the first round. I think, I think 
Tennessee fans got a little excited he could go in the first round. That was never going to happen. From what I have been told, he won't go in the second round either. And I've, I've, I've thought that all along. I, I hope for him that he would go higher, but that's fine. Again, Hendon Hooker, there is a lot of good and bad baggage. The bad baggage is coming off an ACL injury, um, the questions about an offense. You can look at Darnell Wright and say, this isn't a gimmick offense. He's handling Will Anderson. It's a little bit more difficult and a little bit more risky to take a gamble on a quarterback via Hendon Hooker in that position because what if the offense is gimmicky? You and I don't think so, but he threw to a whole lot of guys that were bare, wide open. So I'm not surprised, and I don't think he should be down that he didn't go in the first round of the draft. I, I heard that yesterday, some chatter on Twitter. He might go in the first round bull. If you if you want to know the truth, we're here 10 a.m. Eastern live each and every weekday. He might not go in the second, but that's okay. That's fine, Caleb. I don't think that's a major concern. What he's going to do is he sent out with, with him throwing. He had a hashtag that I think I'm going to steal. And he's throwing dropbacks yesterday, and it was the hashtag stacking days. That's what he did at Tennessee. That's what he's going to do in the NFL. So Hendon Hooker is going to be judged by what he does in 2025, not 2023, Caleb. He's he's just fine, and he's going to get it in the NFL. And he's going to get better every single day. Yeah, and let's go back through history for a minute because there's all this love and desire to be a first-round draft pick or be high in the first round. Dave, would you rather be – if you're a quarterback – would you rather be a first-round draft pick or would you rather be drafted by the right franchise? I, do, I don't know, man. It's a lot of cash money. I mean, it drops off significantly. It drops off from like last pick, first round, to first pick, second round. I've looked it up before. It's it's roughly like $8 million or some crazy amount of money that they could pay you. It's all slotted. So I'm not going to say I wouldn't. I would rather be – the first pick and go to the Texans, which we could argue is the worst uh, run franchise than be uh, Tom Brady pick, go to the Patriots. I don't know. Does that sound stupid now after what Brady did? Okay, but like, let, let's look. Okay, there, we all think about Peyton Manning because Peyton Manning set the standard and just re, really set, reset the standard. Like he's held to the most impossible standard of any quarterback. You guys realize that like the overwhelming majority of number one draft picks don't work out at quarterback. Like it's, it's, it's a massive, the overwhelming majority of picks to be fair, don't work out at quarterback. Um, but I would say that let's, let's look at some recent great quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes was drafted by a playoff team that traded up to get him. It was drafted by a playoff team. Yes. First rounder, but they traded up for him. They had already gone to the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers drafted by a playoff team that already had a hall of fame quarterback. Let's think of some Tom Brady fell to the sixth round. You're right. That's a good one. I mean, a lot of these great quarterbacks were drafted by teams that were good, solid franchises. The number one draft pick is usually a franchise that's desperate to just they're they're just throwing everything they got at a quarterback. And they're a number they have the number one draft pick because they're a poorly run franchise. Uh I think I think that's probably the only I think that's the only thing that you could, the only explanation you can come up with. 
And so I think that it's better. What if hookers, Russell Wilson fell to the third round, didn't he? Was he a third round draft pick? I think. And then he, he's, yes. he, he won us, he won the Super Bowl. RG3 and Andrew Luck, the top two picks from that draft, they're both out of the league now. And I'm telling you this right now, Andrew Luck was a better quarterback than Russell Wilson. No, uh, I, I agree. Andrew Luck hung it up because he got beat all the heck. All right, so did you enjoy the Will Levis dropping? Did, I, I, I thought it was pretty comical. I thought it was hilarious. This dude created a fake Reddit post to set himself up to go number one. And he fell out of the first round. Dave, I got a question. You covered the NFL draft. You covered this stuff more than I have. The, the, those two things have to be connected, right? Yeah, I think he, here's what I think happened. I think that he felt desperation that he was slipping and he threw that out there, that Reddit post, and that actually hurt him even more. So as far as somebody trading up to get him, I think it reeked of desperation. I think he, when you come from Kentucky, you need to be Tim Couch, who went number one. Tim Couch was humble, came in, and you've got Will Levis, who's the exact opposite. Will Levis says, I'm going to show off my cannon of an arm, and he tries to manipulate the media via the Reddit post. That's just not the way to handle things if you're coming from Kentucky and you're a quarterback that came off a bad season, be it because of injuries or not. I also found the whole green room thing very interesting in that Will Levis, you're looking at him and – He's smiling and laughing and he's with his family because he knows that he doesn't want to have that Brady Quinn look of what the H is going on. <laughs> I'm dropping like a rock. And um, I, I just it just seemed very coached, orchestrated, the whole thing. The exact opposite of what Hendon Hooker is, which is truly genuine. I believe based off body language, and I thought this beforehand, that Will Levis would be a bust. And now I don't know if you call him a bust because he's going to go in the second round or beyond. But, man, I don't want that to be the quarterback of my NFL team. No, me neither. And should we go? I don't know if you were going to ask this. Should we go here um, it, between who's going to get drafted first, Hendon Hooker or Will Levis? Is, is that a fair question now? I think it's still fair. Yes, I think it's still Levis. I, I think it's still Levis. If I, if I'm a team that, um, I'm trying to think of a a team that would be maybe a a good fit that already had a good quarterback situation and you you, you can you can take him in the second round. I, I guess it depends if you're talking about second round or third round because I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he could slip to the bottom half of the second or the third. So if he does that. Um, Hendon Hooker is going to be right there in in tow, but we're suddenly talking about Will Levis like he may be some sort of a project. I mean that, that aren't we? I mean, here's the thing: we're talking Will Levis. Will Levis is somewhat of a project, and Hendon Hooker is a project, and Anthony Richardson is a project. CJ uh, Stroud is a bit of a project. I don't know as much as the other guys, but he is a bit of a project too. Of all of those guys, which one do you trust the least as a project? It's Will Levis because I don't think he's that hard of a worker. I think he's arrogant. I think that he – I think we know Hinton Hooker is the most humble of all those and a great leader. You know Hinton Hooker will work to do whatever he's told. I don't believe in Anthony Richardson, but I don't see any character flaws in Anthony Richardson. I think Anthony Richardson will do his best to try to develop into what he what the coaches want him to be. You agree with me on that, right? 
that Anthony Richardson seems like he would work at it. Uh, yeah, I like Anthony Richardson. This is going to sound crazy more than CJ Stroud. Wow. Okay. And here's, here's why I think that score on that test. And then in the interviews after he was picked number two, he didn't come across as very bright and engaging to me. I, I'm not trying to take a shot and call a kid not smart, but he, he just seemed a little taken aback by the moment. And there's going to be big moments in the NFL. I'm not basing it all off one interview, but uh, Caleb, I don't, I don't feel really great about CJ Stroud. I, I, when I look at this draft, and, and based I, on can I say this one thing in defense of, of CJ Stroud? Sure. So there's a lot of socioeconomic studies on this with players who, or not players, but just kids and people who have very stressful backgrounds such as his his father was incarcerated, things like that, that they, even if they're not, even if they're smarter, they don't test as well in certain instances. And that could be the case with CJ Stroud, where he's just, you know, his development makes his, he doesn't test as well. No, I mean, I can see that. But he looked taken aback by the moment last night to me. I'm reading body language, and maybe that's unfair. The other throw into four first-round NFL receivers. I mean, you were talking. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk gimmick offense on Tennessee if people want to knock in and Hooker. Good gravy. I mean, imagine if Hendon Hooker's throwing to four first round NFL picks, which in Ohio State will have. They had one last night, and they will have out of that group once they're eligible for the draft. So, um, man, I just um, I'm not in love with CJ Stroud, and I went back and watched some of his tape as well, and just did not fall in love with him ever at this point in the season thought he was incredibly overrated. And yeah, I think that anything you say about Hendon hooker, you got to say the same thing about CJ Stroud with the exception of the ACL. But is, is that a gimmick offense? I mean, what has Ryan day done as far as producing a quarterback to make you say, Oh, well, they're going to be great. He's going to be golden. And I mean, dating back to when Urban Meyer started this spread offense at Ohio State, how many quarterbacks have NFL scouts fallen in love with that turned into nothing in the pros? I mean, we're talking Cardell Jones, JT Barrett, uh, what's his name, uh, Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace, and and then Justin Fields, and neither you nor I believe in Justin Fields long term. I mean, he missed some. Justin Fields is. I, I, I'm so I'm going to say he's awful. He's awful. He misses basic throws, and at the end of the day. Yes, in this day and age in the NFL, you can mobile dual threat quarterbacks can be more of a threat. You can make up for a lack of accuracy with with speed. I agree with that. But there's still throws you have to be able to make in the NFL that I don't care how fast you are. Fields missed on some blatant basic fade patterns last year that were on there was a fourth down that he just I'm sorry. There there are throws that you can't miss if you're gonna be in the NFL. And he, and he's he's awful. And I don't know. I, Straw may be the best of all of them, but I, I don't have any reason to believe in him yet. No, I think it's an imperfect quarterback class because good gravy. I mean, Bryce Young just looked very, very small to me. <laughs> Even st- standing next to some dudes. I mean, I've stood next to Nick Saban. I know how tall he is, but standing next to Saban, I'm looking at that. I mean, he's barely taller than Nick Saban. He's like five six. I mean, I. Um, and it opens up the possibility. Listen, you want Hendon Hooker to drop, 
Okay. Now, Hendon Hooker's bank account doesn't want him to drop, and his agent doesn't want him to drop. But Mr. Jones pointed out the Titans fan base would love it if they draft Hooker. If he drops, Tennessee has shown in the past that they've reached on guys like Joey Kent because they're in-state guys. This would not be an incredible reach if it happened in the third round. They could use a quarterback. I believe Hendon Hooker in two years, counting this season and next, would be an upgrade over what they have in Tannehill now. So if you want him to stay close to home, root for him to drop. Just saying that. Question. Lay it since, on me, bro. Since, since you name dropped a little bit. Was Joey Kent, because uh, Joey Kent went in the first round and then Marcus Nash went in the first round the next year. Were those reaches or did we just not know how much Peyton Manning was making those receivers? Both. I think the NFL was so different back then. You had a lot of owners that were just in it for making money. Whereas now they want to compete and win championships. And they realize at the end of the day, that's the best way to make money. We're going to take a two-minute break and we'll ask Fred about the quarterbacks and what he thinks. A football Friday with Fred and his appearance brought to you in part by Zulbeer. Zulbeer.com. XULbeer.com. It is fantastic. Worldwide award-winning craft beer. Believable. Certainly check it out. Stay tuned. Football Friday with Fred, Fred White. And I remind you that Zool Beer has a great place downtown where you can have parking in downtown Knoxville and have panoramic views. Stay tuned. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Fred, up next. And Craving Wings South North Shore location where we've heard people say that you can get the best wings in East Tennessee. Pero quien es este? El número 87, Jacob Warren. I'll just do six of my sauce 87, please. Imposible, señorita. Dale seis más. Look at these wings. Perfectas, deliciosas, fantásticas. Man, I don't know what you're saying, but it sounds awesome. How do you say fresh, never frozen in Spanish? Frescas, nunca congeladas. Make your way to Craving Wings and get you seis más. But what was funny about Cadiz, we were a full continuum of care at that time. We had detox, we had inpatient, we had outpatient. So we were doing a lot of the things that we do now. But now we just do them so much better. It's really a simple program, but it's we're complicated people. I am what I am, and now I gotta do something about it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment with a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut. 
in downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard! The Dave Hooker Show, Who? a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Welcome back. It's a football Friday with Fred. Fred White joins us now. Look at that guy. Still can <laughs> play today. Two plays. Two. One in the first half and one in the second. I'm going to need that much time to recover. <laughs> in all seriousness, could you – I've, I've heard people say that they could play one game, but it would be – the after effect that would uh, prevent them from playing 16, 17 games or even in college 12. You think you could play it? If if I gave you six months, how many, how many plays you think you could run out there for? Probably four. Why do you settle? I love Fred because he's so definitive. It's not maybe five. It's not maybe three. It's four. Why four? I can play one one play per quarter, and I need to be like on a, a field goal or field goal block. That's about it. I don't need to be running too far. I'm not trying to pop a hammy. I'm not trying to. Get... <laughs> Fred, could you get up and block the field goal? Huh? Could you get up and block the field goal? Oh no, I'm just gonna push somebody. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you don't want to be like Robert Peace in the VFL spring game that you you put together. And he popped his Achilles during the flag game. That was – you notice I didn't play the next year, did you? <laughs> the very next season, I did not play. The, nope, I'm not playing. Mm-mm, I'm good. Okay, yeah. um, <laughs> right, so a uh, quick story, um, as I've told before, but it's pertinent now. Uh, my dog, for some reason, tried to attack Fred White one time. Well, what my dog needed was craft treats. He needed the chill pills have the CBD in them where they will help with your dog's anxiety like new visitors that they don't know like Fred so that your German Shepherd doesn't attack Fred and that's what they needed is the chill pill so go to crafttreats.com use the promo code off the hook crafttreats.com promo code off the hook and you get 20% off for those chill pills anxiety digestive issues arthritis they'll help with all those I needed you need you have a dog, you need to make sure you go get some of that. Especially if I come to your house. Please. <laughs> it's coming over. He needs to know that chill pills are there. Use the promo code off the hook for 20% off. Hey, Caleb, do me a favor. Throw some of those uh, stats about Tennessee and offensive linemen that are drafted in the first round or not to Fred and these, these are unbelievable Fred and the amount of time that Tennessee's had since an offensive lineman went as high as Darnell Wright went 10 and then offensive lineman under Philip Fulmer Caleb throw those at me because you blew me away this morning so Fred this shocked me because I found this out last night when Darnell Wright went 10th which is he's mm-hmm. the first first rounder taken in the NFL draft at offensive line from Tennessee since Jawan James of 2014 mm-hmm. those are the only two since 1991 when Anton Davis and Charles McRae went seven and eight. Mm-hmm. It shocked me that during your era, during the Philip Fulmer era, the era of like offensive line, you at Tennessee, not one lineman went in the first round of the NFL draft. Now y'all had some great linemen in the NFL during that time. Don't get me wrong, but 
Does that stat shock even you? It does because people like Cozy Coleman, Chad Clifton, uh, Trey Teague, I think they could have had opportunities to be first-round draft picks. Um, you look at Trey Smith, who dropped in the draft because of, you know, because of the situation with his health, he was a first-round draft pick, and he was the best dra- best lineman in the draft, you ask me. But he didn't go first round. I, but, you know, I think the first-round thing is overhyped. You go back and you look at all the first-round picks and see how many of them last longer than four or five years. Then you go back and you look at guys who got drafted in third, fourth, and fifth round and see how many of those guys lasted forever. It's just Tom Brady just retired. That's when he got drafted. It wasn't in the first round. So I look at those things and I say, that first round draft pick thing, yeah, you get the money initially up front, but everybody's playing for the second contract in the first place. Um, I hate that we haven't had any, but we've had a lot of productive guys get drafted and play a long time in the offensive line. And if you played at UT, you still have that mystique of, Hey, man, they always have some good offensive line, man. We always do. We put guys in the NFL, may not be first-round picks, but they get a chance to play and get a chance to have a long career. How much does it help in rookie to have a guy go number 10, to have a first-rounder? I was talking to Jacob Warren about this yesterday, and I went back to his class when he signed with Tennessee, and – Tennessee that year had a, a pick in the third round and two picks in the sixth. Now they've got a first rounder. They're going to have a second rounder. They're going to have a third rounder in recruiting. How much does that help? It helps that you're putting guys in the NFL. It shows it, it's a testament to what, what kind of talent you have on your program, in your program, also your coaching staff. Um, and that those are the things that make a difference. When you're going to a college, man, you want to, you want to make sure that they're getting guys developed and ready for the next level. You can come out of high school with all the talent in the world. You go to the wrong program, and they don't have a good program as far as getting guys ready to be developed, and you can get overlooked. That's why some guys get a chance to go, you know, go third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, and last forever, that type of stuff. Um, I think as a recruit, you know that they just had a first-round draft pick. Okay, he was talented. But also, he had a good coach. It kind of gives you an you know, opportunity to say, these are the things we're, we're building here at Tennessee, and these are the opportunities you can have if you come to school here. Now, but, uh, let, me ask you, let me ask you one other thing, Fred. Uh, second level of that, that question. Because somebody could sit back and say, an offensive line high. In recruiting. I, I I lost for a second. You froze on me. Oh, Dave, Dave, yep. you there. I think I'm here. Am I here? I'm sorry, Fred. Vasa gotcha. Okay. I'm having a little connection. Okay. Okay. So how much is man? Yeah, yeah, Caleb, I think you froze again. <laughs> <laughs> Look at his face. Oh man, I usually am the one who gets the bad faces. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make the face like Dave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. yeah, that face, I don't know what that, 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 that face says. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you're still your face is still frozen. <laughs> 
Okay, <laughs> that's right. on mine. I look fantastic. Um, you know, you know, you know, you know what your face was saying. You know what your face was saying, Dave. <laughs> Don't what lay a that? finger on my butterfinger. <laughs> I have to go. I have to go back and watch it. I think I'm good now. My apologies. Um, man, Travis says screen says don't do that um all right so how much does it help that an offensive lineman goes that high and and josh heupel's offense which some have called gimmicky but you've got an offensive lineman a, a big guy it, it helps with the big guys for sure offensive lineman because that's what you're looking for you're looking to get guys that come in that can protect your quarterback and you know move the needle when it comes to the running game however I think it's more important when they get to the next level and they actually play good. That's when you have more – that's more of a value to you than it is for him just getting drafted first round. Getting drafted first round, yeah, that's great. That's a good thing for recruiting. But when you can show guys that are playing in the NFL and they're actually getting playing time and they're doing a good job, Trey Smith, um, Alvin Kamara, um, all these guys that have come out in the last few years that are playing and getting a chance to be on that football field in the NFL, that shows something too. That shows, okay, these guys are getting guys and putting them in the NFL and they're also being developed enough to be able to get on the field in the NFL. That makes a difference. The guys you have in the NFL mean more than just getting a guy drafted. Fred, it's funny. Uh, I'm I'm glad you said what you said a little while ago because you sided with me uh, inadvertently on a debate we had with David the first round, which is, I think, and I want to know what your thoughts on this are. Is it more important to be drafted? I, I know now. I know the bank account's a little bit different depending on the round you go. <laughs> but would you rather be would you rather be drafted in the third round by the right franchise or in the first round by the wrong franchise? That's a tough question to ask <laughs> because that because that 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 I don't know any guy who wouldn't want to be a first round pick. I wouldn't give. I wouldn't care who picked me. It could be the the grasshoppers, it wouldn't even matter. It could be the Tennessee grasshoppers or the Chattanooga roundabouts. I wouldn't even care who drafted me in the first round. If I'm a first-round draft pick, I want that first-round draft pick money, period. <laughs> so, I mean, you, I think you, you're in a better situation sometimes if you get drafted later to the right team and the right scheme and those type of things. You may have a long career. You may have more opportunities to fail as well. But um, I think – I'm going to take the first round pick regardless. Anytime. I don't care if it's one or 32. I want to take, I want the first round pick. Absolutely. Fred, do you take any enjoyment in watching Will Levis drop like a rock like he did? I, I, I don't like to see anyone get exploited like that, but I feel like that kid got exploited. I don't know who told him he was going to be a first top five pick. I don't know what they were watching. I don't know what film they saw. If you're looking at quarterbacks and the quarterbacks that went, in the top five, right? Those guys, you can go back and watch a game that says that guy was the reason why they won the game or that guy was the reason why they looked so good in this game. I can't find a game where Will Levis is the guy who he's the reason why they won, won the game. I feel like the team was better because they had two good running backs, two hard-nosed running backs that kept the clock running and you could do play action passes and those type of things. I've never seen Will Levis go out and win a game by himself. Or I've never seen him do have the things that Hendy Hooker has done. And if you're going to draft between those two, I'm taking Hendy Hooker 10 times out of 10 over Will Levis. So I'm trying to figure out what is the 
why is he such the, the guy that everybody's looking like, oh, well, he dropped. I thought it was a third or fourth round draft pick in the first place. Not a first rounder. I agree. Caleb, do me a favor, because I'm afraid to Google anything on my end. Who is Will Levis's agent? Because, Fred, I want to ask you this. I wonder if an agent can manipulate some of these things by selling him, say, I'll make you a first rounder. And then the Reddit post where supposedly he was going to be the number one pick. Can agents get involved and, and mess up guys on draft night? I don't know. Possibly. But if a person like <laughs> Mel Kiper Jr., I'm having to say, hey, man, he's been wrong so much, it's ridiculous. I mean, but I feel like somebody's he's on somebody's payroll. Somebody's agent is, is paying the crap out of him to hype some guys up who stink, period. So, I mean, that's how I look at it. If, you, if you're asking me, if I'm the analyst, I'm telling y'all, if you draft this kid, if you expect him to be the, the day one starter or start in his first two years, you won't have a good team. Plain and simple. He didn't do well. Like, he didn't do great at Kentucky. Come on, man. Can he throw? make all the throws? Yes, he can make all the throws. Is he an athlete? Yeah, he is an athlete. I don't even know if I would have drafted Richardson from Florida that high. He don't even play enough football. Mitchell Trubisky was the guy that comes into mind when you when you talk about Richardson. Mm -hmm. He had about the same amount of starts, and he's been a journeyman in the NFL ever since. So if you expect for a guy who hasn't played that much football at the quarterback position, I don't care how much talent he has, why would you draft the guy just on talent alone? Because the game is more than just talent. If you got to understand defenses, read schemes and coverages, understand when the linebackers dropping, understand when they're blitzing. He don't understand any of that stuff. Most of those plays he made was because of his athletic ability. I give him that. I'll give him that every day, all day. But he wasn't a, a he wasn't a Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson started for more than one season. He also had an offensive coordinator, offensive coach who understood the game in different ways. Now Lamar's won an MVP already, but he stayed hurt ever since. Because you got to understand the game in a different way. And just Caleb's for the record, though, it's Creative Artist Agency is his agent. CAA. Who's that? Will Levis's agent is a Creative Artist Agency. It's a it's a group, I guess. A, a, it's a company, not one person. CAA is Will Levis's agent. I know CAA. Okay. I'm pretty sure they put. I'm pretty sure they put the word out there. <laughs> Interesting. I think I'm pretty sure that happens. CAA and and and, and uh, Tom Shea and and um and Mel Kiper have a really good relationship. Oh, Fred dropping some uh some Knowledge. some juicy details. Well, if you go back and look at some of CAA clients, and you go back and you say how many of these guys that they talk great about when they, when this rap was in coming up, you know they had a good relationship. Hmm. I am loving this. Interesting. Um, Click that like button if you haven't subscribed already and Caleb jump in there, but uh, hit that like button. We appreciate it. It brings more people in a football Friday with uh, Fred. Also want to remind you that city heating and air conditioning, go to cityheatandair.com over 50 years of experience in Knoxville. Your HVAC unit may not need to be replaced. Save some money. May just need a new part or some coolant. That's city heating and air Conditioning right there in Knoxville City, heatandair.com. Integrity matters. Caleb? Fred, you got a little firsthand experience of this, so I want to ask you, because Dave and I talked about something yesterday that kind of bothered both of us, which was 
the whole Arch Manning publicly announcing that he's not getting any NIL money or Sarkeesian announcing it on behalf of Arch until he starts. And to me, that was just another instance of, look, Peyton Manning is great, but it seems like the Manning family goes above and beyond to control the narrative a lot of times. How common was that with Peyton at Tennessee where the Manning family went out of their way to to control the narrative? I don't know if that was the case with Peyton. I mean, they look, Peyton had money before he got here. He grew up with it. So, you know, I mean, it wasn't really no – I don't know if they can try to control the narrative as much in college as it may have did in the NFL maybe or the draft. That's different. Um, in college, he didn't – that wasn't the case. I mean, we didn't know whether Peyton was coming back to school or not until he actually announced it. He didn't tell anybody. No one knew. And it wasn't a play-up. We thought – if he left that year, he would have been the first round, first player picked in the draft anyway as a junior. So him coming back, all we thought at that point was, man, we can win that championship for sure. So controlling the narrative, I think more so it's a control my nephew and my, and my my grandson more so than anything. Don't get the big head. You, you may be a Manning, but you're not going to have it given to you. And they're not going to give it to you just because your last name is Manning and your first name is Arch. You named after me. I'm happy with what what um what what Archie Manning has told his grandchild. You don't get a dollar until you start, because it's an earned thing. Everybody wants everything right now. For instance, we have a quarterback. I'm happy that we have a quarterback, but he may may not start. Is it feasible to continue to pay that for a player if they're not starting? I understand we got to play these guys when they're coming straight out of high school. Now some kids are getting paid while they're in high school from NIL deals. What does that do to the game? What does that do to the player as well? At 18 years old, you couldn't give me a million dollars. Really? <laughs> I'm sorry. You couldn't. I'm glad I didn't get a million dollars at 18 years old. I'm very happy about that. I might not be alive right now. Seriously. Yeah, I was wild as a buck till I was like 22. So I don't know that I could take in a million dollars at 22. Right. Um, <laughs> I yeah, but I, but 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 for the Arch Manning situation, you got a starting quarterback on that team already. Beat him out, then you get all the money you deserve. Until then, wait your turn. Okay, but let me ask you this: I'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit, Fred. What about the young man who may not have as good of a background uh, financially as the Mannings do? Mm-hmm. I mean. What about that kid? He's worked himself into a five-star prospect. He's, now, he's... Everybody's situation is different. Okay. In this situation, it's the right situation to put him in. Why does he need the money? What about, I don't mind him not taking the money, but I, I guess my issue was Steve Sarkeesian publicizing it. I mean, do you think maybe that could have just stayed quiet, or do you think that do you think this is a good example to set? I think it's a good example to show to the character of his player and his family saying that, you know what, he's not going to get this money until, because if you're paying him that money and he's not on the football field, that's money you could be giving to guys who are actually playing. It's a fair point. Fair point. Uh, I, I love Fred because he always brings a different perspective and a player's perspective. That's why we love visiting with Fred. He's the other part of that is they're going to respect him more too. When he becomes a starter, because he didn't take that money right away, because he didn't necessarily need it, all those guys are going to be able to have an opportunity to get some of that money that he was earmarked for. So when he becomes a guy, they already know what type of guy he is and what type of character he is. They already know, hey, look, 
This guy could have all of that. The cars that these guys are driving now, his family can buy it for him right now. He doesn't necessarily need it. He can have opportunities for you guys as well. That's a respect factor for when he comes to be. Because if he takes the money now and somebody else is on that team is not that's playing and not getting a dime, it's going to make a difference. That guy didn't even take the money. He doesn't even need it. That guy has more character than what I think. Well, interesting. So do you think any players might resent that uh, Nico's already got $8 million, supposedly? Uh, a beer? Is that, could that be you? I don't think – I think it's a different situation. Nico is not a Manny. His family ain't all Hall of Famers with a whole lot of money in the bank. In the bank. That's a different story. So, question, because we talked about Peyton coming back. I, I, want, I always wondered. I wonder what your thoughts are. I, I, I do believe Peyton genuinely wanted to come back for his senior year. You think part of it, though, was – he didn't want to get drafted by the Jets because he knew they were a pathetic franchise. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think Peyton had already graduated college. He graduated as a junior. So you get to kind of have a year of just perfecting your game. You already have a really good football team. You have a great chance of winning a national championship. You're going to start the season off in the top five, if not the top two. I mean – Everybody's situation is different. If I'm paid man and coming from my background and I have an opportunity to be the first player picked in the draft, I'm sorry, I'm out. But I can't speak for what Peyton would do. If my parents were rich or well off, that might be a different story. But if you, I mean, everybody can't have that opportunity. Everybody doesn't have that opportunity because they don't have, I'm not a Manny. I'm not a, you know what I mean? Like, those are things that, that are a little bit different. If you came from – if you're Bill Gates' child, do you actually have – I mean, would you have to actually leave college and go play football then? You don't necessarily have to. You see what I'm saying? So, like, there's, there's a difference. Some guys play this game because it may be their only means of being able to become a millionaire, plain and simple. But then if some is already – they've already had that lifestyle, they may not have to do it right away. And I, I think it was better for Peyton to be able to stay in college because if you look at his rookie year in the NFL, it wasn't great. You knew he had flashes of being one of the greatest ever. You know, he had all the flashes. But then that next year, you're like, okay, that's the Peyton Manning we know. But see, had he come out as a junior, he may not have been able to recover like that. Fair. Um, I have been asking you this, which sounds crazy. I know you've been to a lot of practices. What do you think of what you've seen out of uh, Nico? He, uh, I think he... <laughs> That's I easier for me, Fred. That's easier for me than pronouncing his name. He, uh, he said it. <laughs> I, can't, yeah. I can't be wrong, Fred, if he says it. He, uh, so... <laughs> The more you play it, the funnier it gets. Well, I, I think that he is a great athlete. I think he's he has great arm talent. He can make every throw from any side of the football field. You remember, there was a guy by the name of Jacob Eason. You remember him? The player yeah. at Georgia. Yeah, the I guy who the, the same year we threw the Hail Mary to beat Georgia, a, a few plays before that, he threw a pass from the right hash all the way to the corner of the left end zone. And it was on a dime. That's the type of arm talent he has. 
you don't find, you know, that that's that's a talent. That's a strong talent. I can't wait to be able to see him utilize that talent. But I do also think he needs to get stronger. He's a freshman. Name a freshman quarterback you ever seen that just came out and lit it up. Outside of maybe Bryce Young or, you know. Was Jameis a freshman in 2013? Was he? He was a redshirt freshman, I think. He was a a redshirt freshman, freshman. not a true freshman. Right, not a true freshman. Um, Johnny Manziel, but that's a, hey man, that's a whole different beast right there. That was a different type of football player. That's one of, like, once in a generation type of player that he was. But, like, I don't see many freshman quarterbacks coming in and just lighting it up their freshman year. I mean, I played with Peyton Manning, who didn't light it up his freshman year. Yeah. And he's considered one of the top five quarterbacks of all time, if not top three. So what are fair expectations of uh, Nico? <laughs> I, I just want to see him get better every year, plain and simple. I think with the coaching staff we have and the offense that we run, it fits his style of play and fits what he does best. Um, I don't put a lot of stock in freshmen. I, I don't. I don't put a lot of stock in freshmen at all. I'd love for you to come out there and be able to contribute to the football team, but if I'm asking for that guy to lead my team, eh, not right off. The only there's another quarterback. You look at the guys at at Clemson. Um, what's his, the Trevor Lawrence? He didn't start right away. He did earn the earn his, his position, and they were winning. They had a quarterback that had won and was still winning. They played against Georgia Tech, and that starting quarterback threw four interceptions in the first half. You insert. Trevor Lawrence, he throws four touchdown passes in the second half to win the game. Interesting. I want to go back to the arm talent comment you made. Who had the best arm talent of any quarterback you faced? Just pure arm talent. Donovan McNabb. Oh, wow, yeah. That's that's a good one. Hands down, best quarterback I played against in college. You played against Jared Lorenzen too, right? Okay, well, he's, he's not with us any longer, so let's be careful here. But just pure arm I mean, talent. Did he have arm talent? He had arm talent. He did. I mean, so did Tim Couch. Have some, Tim Couch had arm talent. They didn't have McNabb arm talent, though. Who was second? Who was second? I don't know, probably Kay McNabb, maybe. Okay. Now, Kay who- McNabb was pretty good. Just in pure, in terms of arm talent, who impressed you more? Peyton in practice, Donovan McNabb in Syracuse in 1998. Man, that's that's a tough question because I like to throw heat. Yeah, that that was that's a heat question right there for sure. <laughs> I, I'm gonna go with arm talent. I'm gonna go with Donovan McNabb. He had a stronger arm. He had a bigger arm, meaning like he could launch that thing from anywhere. And it was – he's doing all that while he's also jumping over a guy, sidestepping somebody, and then throwing it downfield like that. It's just – it was a different type of arm talent. To be able to do all those things and still be accurate with your passes shows your arm talent. Yeah. Fred, I got it. It's funny. I, I've always given you, you guys props. The biggest props I give your 98 team, the national title team, is – I had, you know, you're breaking in a new quarterback and your first two games are at Donovan McNabb 
and then at home against Florida. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is that's a lot to overcome to win a national title. Especially we didn't we did not respect Syracuse before we started that game. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big East team, right? Man, they can't do that against us. After that first half, we were on the sideline sucking wind, and we're like, he's pretty good. <laughs> Boy, it's because the Carrier Dome, which is named after an HVAC company, didn't have AC. Of all the places in the world that don't have AC, you're the Carrier Dome. You mean to tell me you don't put – they put one AC unit in there. One. Just one. It could have been a window unit. Anything. Dude, hey, man, it was so doggone hot in there. It was ridiculous. And it was steamy. When I say humid as crap in a dome, I would have rather played in Knoxville in the middle of July on the top of a mountain when the sun is beaming down at 180 degrees. I'm sorry. But it was that was ridiculous. How do you not? You sure they didn't do that on purpose? They probably did. <laughs> <laughs> like that time the Spurs. Remember the Spurs turned out the AC in the finals? I don't remember a guy on the team that didn't get an IV. Like <laughs> – I remember I, you go back and watch the game. I watched it with Terry Fair not too long ago. You can go back and watch that game, and I called a timeout. And Coach Chavis, I know he was pissed. I know he was mad. Coach Ford was like, what are you doing? I looked down, and no disrespect to my teammates, but they were young at this time, and I knew I needed some dogs in them. I got Ed Butler, Ed Kendrick, and D-Tackle. And I'm thinking, oh, no. The running back will have a, a running start to get to me. It's not mm, – I'm calling timeout now, immediately. I'm watching Billy Ratliff, Don Walker, and Sean Ellis on the side. I'm looking at them on the sideline. I, man, I called a timeout. I was like, hey, man, mm, coach, we're not doing this. No, sir. Mm. If y'all, hey, man, I look at them boys. If y'all don't get your ass in this game, y'all lost it. Y'all better get your ass in this game. <laughs> it's a third and seven. Y'all better get your ass in this game. When did you call that timeout? At what point was in it? was probably third quarter, maybe. I'm like, hey, man, uh-uh. y'all not going to leave me out here by myself. Just because y'all dropping like fires don't mean y'all going to leave me out here by myself. You better get that IV and get back on this damn field. <laughs> Gold. <laughs> Gold. Fred, uh, we love it. Football Friday with Fred. How do people get fantastic insurance if they're in Georgia? You know what, Dave? They can give me a call at 770-381. 0367, or you can actually look us up online. Just Google us. Google Fred White Allstate. Um, you can actually start a quote right online. You don't even have to talk to me if you don't want to. So, I, mean, I think I'm a great guy to talk to, but <laughs> even if you don't want to talk to me, you can start your quote online by yourself, and we can also have someone else in our office call, give you a call and, and kind of help you with through the process. Uh, our team is ready and happy to help anyone. Um, you're in good hands. Just give us a try. Love it. Fred White, have a blessed weekend. We will talk to you soon. Football Friday with Fred is my favorite part of the week. Thanks, man. Thank you, guys. Go balls. There we go. How strong was that? Fred White. They needed CD heating and air conditioning is what they needed, but that's an American standard, so they'd have to drop carrier. I wonder. Remember when carrier carrier, like was – shipping like closing down its plant in indiana and moving to mexico and then like 
they got a bunch of money to stay and they did this press conference on how we're staying in America because we got this giant tax cut. And then like six months later, they moved to Mexico anyway. So basically they took a tax cut and then shipped their jobs overseas anyway. <laughs> and uh, I do, I do think though that it was hot in general in the carrier dome because they didn't have AC. I do think there were, you brought up an interesting point. Could that, did they close the doors earlier in the week to make it hotter against a more athletic team. I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. I'll go back to high school and my, my high school team when they play more athletic teams wouldn't have the AC on. So Alabama gets a quarterback sign of desperation. Yay or nay. Stay tuned. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the sports. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Craven Wings has the cleanest, healthiest wings in town. We pride ourselves on our slogan, always fresh, never frozen. Come try us and discover the difference yourself. New location now open at the Markets at Chodo. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. The Guys, I apologize for having pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on offthehooksports.com. Apologize for some technical difficulties as we'll work through that. Welcome back to the program. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. And Alabama picks up a quarterback. Is it a sign of desperation for the uh, Crimson Tide? Caleb Calhoun, let's get to that now. It's brought to you by Andy Mason of AndyMasonRealEstate.com. You can absolutely save thousands or tens of thousands of dollars because he's got the best service and the best prices when it comes to real estate in the Knoxville market. He's got over 40 years of experience. He's awesome. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. 
Caleb, Alabama picks up a Notre Dame quarterback. Is this a sign of desperation? Your thoughts? Absolutely. And every rival should be laughing at Nick Saban in Alabama right now. This is a hilarious, pathetic sign of desperation for the for the what should be the greatest dynasty in college football. Let's unpack this, guys. Let's um, let, let's unpack all of this. And I got a column on this on Off the Hook Sports right now. If you want to look it up, Alabama just took Notre Dame transfer Tyler Buckner. Now, to the untrained eye, you might say. Well, Tommy Reese was Notre Dame's offensive coordinator, and he's now Alabama's offensive coordinator, and Tyler Buckner was just waiting for the transfer portal window to reopen before he could transfer since Tommy Reese went to Alabama after the last transfer portal window closed. Wrong. Wrong. If that were the case, Tyler Buckner would have transferred the minute the portal window opened on April the 15th. But all the way until last Saturday, he was competing with Sam Hartman, the Wake Forest transfer, for the starting job at Notre Dame. He lost the starting job to Drew Pine when Tommy Reese was there. Drew Pine transfers, and now he can't beat out Sam Hartman for the job. Then he transfers to Alabama to go play for Tommy Reese. He's lost the starting job twice at Notre Dame. Now he's going to Alabama. This is hilarious because this is this is all due to the fact that one Jalen Miller was awful. We saw that last year. They clearly don't believe in Ty Simpson anymore. Ty Simpson was awful in the spring game. Tennessee fans should be thinking they're lucky stars that they didn't get Ty Simpson because they really wanted him a couple of years ago. And now they're getting Tyler Buckner out of desperation. This is nothing but a desperate move for a desperate program. I've been saying it for a while that this will be Alabama's worst team since 2010. I'm revising that. It's going to be Alabama's worst team since Nick Saban's first year at Alabama. You know, I love you. But... I actually think it's the exact opposite. What? Yeah. What? I think Nick Saban's willingness to pull the trigger on something like this when he's not a transfer portal guy, he's old school, man. He wants to bring people up. I think it's a sign that he wants to continue to make runs at championships. I think bringing in a quality quarterback, which I think Buckner is. Now, remember, he missed most of the year last year because he was injured. He was going to be the starter. Uh, for Notre Dame. I think this is a pickup that Nick's that is a sign that Nick Saban's in it to win it again. And if he's willing to play the transfer portal game, very selective, like he did with Jameer Gibbs. And that worked out at running back. This is scary for the rest of the sec picking this guy. Up. I'm telling you, cause they had nothing at quarterback from what I've been told in Simpson and Milrow for my source in Alabama, nothing. Now they have something. I think it's scary. I think he's playing the game. I, I, I'm the exact opposite on that. I, I just He's playing the transfer portal game. Nick Saban's playing the transfer portal game, Caleb. That was never going to happen. But okay. Is Nick Saban trying to make a run at a championship with this move? Yes, because he's always trying to make runs at championships. And I don't think the Alabama dynasty is dead. I've said for a while, they'll be back. It just won't be this year. But no, you're wrong about Tyler Buckner. You, you're forgetting this. Tyler Buckner has played... In 13 games, mostly mop-up duty, but he did play some significant time early this past year. He's got six touchdowns and eight interceptions for his career. I, 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 I'm sorry. He averaged under eight yards in attempt last year. But you're talking about Buckner like he's just a throwaway. He because, is a throwaway. 
I don't think so. I think he wanted to see what happened with Hartman in the spring. It would have been dumb for him to enter the transfer portal and look, somehow lose his scholarship or go somewhere and Hartman's a dud, which I didn't think was going to happen. And I thought Tennessee should have considered making a run at. But listen, the, the Bugner thing to go out and get him and go against what you naturally believe as a coach is a sign of a guy that continues to reinvent himself. And you want to say Alabama's slipping and going down this terrible path of mediocrity, and it's going to happen this year. But there's still an awful lot of talented players on that football team, some of which we don't even know their names yet because they come up through the ranks and they develop. And the willingness to go get Buckner tells me that Nick Saban is going to play the game that he doesn't really like nowadays. I think it's I think it's the exact opposite. I think this right, is a, uh, Nick Saban has three, four or five good years left. Travis says it's a sign of desperation. Agrees with you. Rebecca is all over me. What, Dave? Come on. He goes out there and starts, guys. If Nick say you you guys would have said the same thing to me when I said Nick Saban is going. Don't roll your eyes when Nick Saban. <laughs> Is going to install – everybody said Lane Kiffin was a desperation move to keep up with the pace of play and the evolution of college football. That wasn't a desperation move. Listen, if you want me to bet on somebody, I'm going to bet on Nick Saban's ahead of the game. Love wait, you. wait, wait, wait. There's a way – first of all, I thought desperation moves always is when someone blatantly violates what they stand for. I don't think Nick Saban – Yes, he tried to slow the game down and then went and got Lane Kiffin. But I don't think Nick Saban ever had this principle of, I'm never going to do this. I think this was the style, there was a style he liked. But when Nick Saban got Lane Kiffin, I thought, oh my gosh, Nick Saban's been winning with defense and now he's going to bring in an offensive genius and Alabama's going to be even more of a threat. That's what I thought when he got Lane Kiffin. When he got, he didn't take a, Tyler Buckner's not the Lane Kiffin of quarterbacks. Okay, we're not talking about a. Okay, I mean, we're not. Lane Kiffin was a well-established, valued offensive mind when Nick Saban brought him on board. Had coached a Heisman winner in the past. Tyler Buckner has played 13 games, has six touchdowns, eight interceptions, averaged less than eight yards in attempt last year. That's that's who we're talking about here. JL, I love you too, man. And give Rebecca's write it down, Caleb. Right, you're awful. Um. JL, I love you. We're talking Alabama in decline. This just in, Alabama probably wins the national title last year if a guy named Kirby Smart goes to South Carolina instead of Georgia. If a guy named Kirby Smart is still an assistant coach at Alabama. If not for Georgia, Alabama may have definitely has another title, maybe two. But this is decline. This is bad. No, this is this Kirby Smart staking a claim to some titles. It doesn't mean that Alabama's in decline. It just doesn't. Look, I'm not saying Alabama, for the record, I'm very clear. They're not in decline. I think Nick Saban's got another run in them, another pretty solid run. This year, though, this year, just this specific year will be a down year for them. This year is going to be like that period in the late 60s, before Bear Bryant unveiled the wishbone, but after Joe Namath had gone to the NFL when Alabama was down and everybody thought Bear Bryant was over, and then he comes up with the wishbone in 1970, 69 and 68, Alabama was very mediocre. This is going to be one of those years. They're going to be down. Everybody's going to think Nick Saban. Book it, book, put, put it this way. 
How long is this run you're talking about? He's older than Methuselah. Caleb. I think Nick Saban has another 10 years. I think he can coach until he's no. I think he can coach into his 80s. Look, first of all, Bobby Bowden coached into his 80s. Joe Paterno coached into his 80s. Joe Paterno obviously was not really coaching in the end. Joe Paterno proved that you can sit in the press box with your foot up and get get credit for a win and not even call Literally. Literally. Yes. I mean, the most – Sorry, I I had no respect for him when he coached, and then I was right, and I I don't I, I'm still not going to have respect for him twelve years later. But anyways, Nick Saban's not Joe Paterno. Nick Saban is very involved with the program. I see a lot. I see like I see Coach K and Nick Saban in the sense of Coach K could have coached ten more years if he wanted to. He chose to retire. I don't think Nick Saban is really. I don't think he has any desire to retire. I don't know what he would do if he wasn't coaching. I don't think anything else makes him happy. But coaching. So there's another run. This one year, though, is a down year. Book it. At the end of this year, you will see a groundswell of conversations that Alabama and Nick Saban is in decline. He'll prove everybody wrong in two years. But after this year, people are going to question a lot about Alabama. Well, the one thing that strengthens your side of the argument is – LSU, once again, somehow is a sleeping giant. It's like LSU goes from national championship team to sleeping giant over the past 40 years. That's basically what they do. They go from national champion to suddenly they can't win a game unless they get the right coach. They've got the right coach. Okay, so LSU could beat Alabama in the in the West uh, 50-50. I mean, that they could split over the next four or five years. So I'll give you that. But we're still talking about a program that would have won another national championship in the past two years. If that's on decline, put me on the decline train. They've got the incline railway in Chattanooga. I'll be on the decline train. Gonna take a couple of stops, pick up a championship, and you guys can go have fun doing what you're doing, ripping me. Don't you know count Saban out. This is a smart move, Caleb. It's not desperate. You know, it's desperation. It's I'm not counting Nick Saban out, but this is desperation. You know who Alabama is? They're Bill Gates. And this is what I mean by that. Bill Gates was the wealthiest man in America for a long time. But then Elon Musk came up. Then Jeff Bezos came up. Now, Bill Gates is still uber, uber wealthy. He ain't the wealthiest dude in America anymore. And I'm just saying Alabama is Bill Gates, which is that they have competition. You're right, LSU. Again, I've told you, Brian Kelly's the first smart coach they've had since Nick Saban himself. I think that they're the most poorly run program and all because it's just if, if LSU had any brain cells down there, they'd have 10 national championships the last 20 years. Travis <laughs> says much like a prominent political figure in America, Saban is two years away from being in a nursing home. Ouch. I think you're referring to one Joe Biden. So if I go up to Nick Saban at SEC media days <clears throat> and I say, uh, uh, Hey, what do you think about the season uh, this, this year? And he said, Hey man, come on, we're going to be good. Let me sniff your hair. And then we know that there may be issues there. That's my best Joe Biden impression. And I've been working on that, Caleb. Thoughts? <laughs> That's not a good Joe Biden impression. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Hey, come on, man. Come on, man. Um, I mean, I go both sides. I mean, both front runners on both parties are super old. Like, shouldn't they, shouldn't you – you shouldn't be allowed to be older than 65 and run for, <laughs> and run for president. And, or you and could – okay. Well, I don't know how old you can be. Travis said it's good. Yeah. Come on, man. Look at the hair of my arms. Joe Biden doesn't have a southern accent. <laughs> but I've got the come on, man. Come on, right. man. Folks. Folks. <laughs> come on, folks. Come on. Yeah, he said All right. Not a joke. 
Yeah. I um, never know where I stand politically, but I do like to make fun of both sides. So I'll do that. All right. Have a fantastic uh, day, everyone. Oh, we have Dion. Oh, I completely forgot about it, Caleb. My fault. Dion Sanders is taking one from Tennessee's roster. Here's what I was told last night. And that was that um, Dion got a good player. And I think that with Amari McNeil, there he was going to play this year. He was going to play a significant role. This was a surprise to Tennessee that he entered the transfer portal. Um, but if you look at the other, and I wrote about this on offthogsports.com, if you look at the other teams that Dion has gone after, it's been Alabama, Florida State, Kentucky, I think that it's almost complimentary that Colorado would come after one of Tennessee's players, and they're going to battle them on the recruiting trail. Deion Sanders is smart enough to know, Caleb, that the best football is played in the South. So he's going to continue to come after players in the South. That, the Deion Sanders thing is, is not going away. It might go away eventually if he can't coach, if his staff can't coach. But, um, yeah, that's going to be a thorn in Tennessee's side and Alabama's side and Kentucky's side and everybody's side, especially in the SEC, for quite some time. So I think to just dismiss it and say McNeil was a fourth-round defensive tackle is completely unfair, Caleb. I just I, I, I think he would have played. He would have been a factor. My source told me that it was – they thought of it as a loss, and it was a surprise. I'm not going to ask you to reveal your source or anything like that, but are you sure your source, the coaches, whoever leaked it to that source, there wasn't some gamesmanship going on? Because I didn't see it with Amari McNeil. If, if he was that much of a factor – he played six games last year, had a total of three tackles. This guy was – when he committed to Tennessee, they didn't even know if he was going to play offensive line or defensive line. Are we sure that this wasn't a little bit of gamesmanship by Tennessee? Because I don't, I did not see where he was going to be in the rotation this year. Well, let me, let me clearly state where I am on this. I think he was going to be in the rotation. Do I think he was going to be the fifth defensive tackle? Probably. Um, the fourth defensive tackle with an injury? Maybe. Um, as you rotate guys in, and that they were surprised by the move. I'm not telling you that they suddenly lost Joe Milton, okay? But I do think that, I think, at the end of the day, is it going to affect wins or losses this season? No. But was it a significant loss? Is he going to be a little thorn in your side, Deion Sanders? Yeah, with the transfer portal. That, that That's my only stance. I'm not saying that he was the next John Henderson. Okay, where does the where would we say Tennessee's defensive interior defensive line unit ranks to the SEC right now? Like, in terms of, like, where they stay. I mean, would, are they even in the top half? Yeah, I think they are. I'm actually really high on, from what I've been told, Tennessee's defensive tackles. Okay, so the reason I, I'm just – Deion Sanders pushed out, how, what, 40-something transfers, however many transfers to the portal, and he's like, we're getting – you know, we're bringing in these superstars, and there's just no room for any of these guys, and just be prepared. The splash he makes is a, is a guy who would be fifth in the defensive line rotation at another school. Yeah, but in the SEC, fifth something because you can have injuries. I, anyway, I, on a scale of 1 to 10, it, it's a 4 loss. I think some people have it as a 1 loss. Um, Travis said he might have had 20 snaps all season. Now he's saying 50. Sorry, corrected himself there. I think they gave him the advice to go. That's the one thing I want to address is, as a Tennessee fan, you should look at this. They did not give him the advice to go, from what I was told. They wanted him as depth. The point is that I'm trying to make and maybe not doing a great job of it. 
Deion Sanders is going to rob teams of depth, and Tennessee is one of them. And this was a loss that, at the end of the day, if you ask Josh Heupel, would you rather have him or not, he would rather have him. Well, isn't that partially, like, we talk about this all the time, defensive line and offensive line, you're never going to push anybody out at those two positions because you want as much depth as possible no matter what. Like, just bodies matters, doesn't it? Yeah, that's very true. Having a guy that's willing to do that uh, is, is something. i tell you who's willing to – help you out and save you a ton of money is Vassy Lawn and Garden. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Industrial, commercial mowers, residential, they've got it all. Go to Vassy.com to learn more. Vassy Lawn and Garden. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Have a fantastic weekend, everyone. Check us out. We'll have Jacob and Cooper up this weekend. We always love to bring you their interesting uh, perspective as current players and some great stuff from Jacob as well. Visit Cooper about Darnell Wright going number 10. Hit the like button. Subscribe if you have it to this point. We greatly appreciate it. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. The app's there and all the good stuff. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports.